Welcome back to Camden Cast, your vaguely official Orioles podcast from CamdenChat.com. Joining you once again, I am your host, Mark Brown, Eat More SK on Camden Chat. Along for the ride with me, the same as always, the uh, the statistics genius himself, Andrew Gibson. Andrew, how is it going tonight? Uh, it's going very, very well. And How are you doing? I am doing good. And Andrew was telling me he's been binging on the wire instead of the Orioles, so he's doing even better than most of us because he hasn't even been watching the Orioles. So it's true. I uh, we're recording during the game tonight. I don't even know the score. In fact, it, I've well, been watching. The nobody, wire. everybody knows the score at the time. They're listening to this anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, but we have a special guest along for the ride tonight. We're adding a little bit of international flavor to the podcast. So joining us from north of the border is a contributor from the Toronto Blue Jays site on SB Nation, uh, bluebirdbanter.com. He also does the podcast on there. He is Johnny G. And Johnny, welcome to our humble little show. Thanks for having me. We are, are we are looking forward to having a having somebody from another team on. It's actually our first time doing it, so it'll It'll yeah, hopefully be I'm kind nervous. of exciting for everybody. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to embarrass ourselves here. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah. So uh, first, why don't you just uh, kind of tell the Orioles fan listeners, what is it like being a Blue Jays fan in the year 2011? Well, it's probably not as good as the early 90s years, but things have been steadily getting better ever since uh, we got our new general manager uh, this year. It's 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 weird to think that too because we've spent the last couple of years trading away some of our best pitchers. Obviously, two years ago we traded away Halliday, and last year we traded away Markham, and um, and yet we still are somehow managing to stick close to 500. And um, that in and of itself is a victory when you look at some of the some of the issues the team has faced. But overall, many fans, at least the ones contributing over at uh, Bluebird Banter, uh, are, are generally positive about the direction of the team. Uh, especially with the moves that we've made oh, over the past year and during the year, so thing, things are going pretty well. Uh, obviously, we'd we'd like to see uh, more meaningful baseball games later in the season, but uh, I think we all would. So, kind of hard to control that. Well, just to contrast, Orioles fans are pretty much completely in a miserable funk. So anything, it's got to be better than that. Yeah, there, there, there's some there's some days where, where we're getting ready to throw stuff through our TVs. Today, for instance, where the Jays have had just a miserable bullpen for the past, well, for all year. And uh, our, our, our closer at the moment is John Roch, who blew, blew another save today. And I believe has four or five blown saves on the air. Uh, Frank Francisco has another four or five. Our team, I saw a stat the other night where I think we're 17 for three. 30 something in save opportunities or blown save, with blown saves and granted not all of those are coming in the ninth inning but they do tend to stack up after a while would you like to trade closers then no you guys a- you guys can keep kevin Gregg. we had him, I, we had the pleasure of that last year <laughs> i'm sorry well <laughs> i had to try <laughs> um, I, I gotta say kevin Gregg. um not to befoul him because he seems like a nice enough guy. He seems like a good teammate, giving advice to the young pitchers, that sort of thing. But he is just ruining how much I like actually watching the Orioles play baseball. Just he's maddening to watch. He's just the worst possible closer. I have no idea how you guys put up with him. And 
like came out of it and seemed none the worse for wear. Well, it, you looked at his stats when he was with the Jays, and by the end of the year, his stats were comparable to Jonathan Papelbon type of thing. Uh, he he had I, I don't think he had too many blown saves. He had a good number of saves total, um, but I, I don't I don't recall many of those saves were one two three one and done innings. They were like walks and hits. And oh man, runner runners on yeah. the corner. Every, like it, it it was a heart attack waiting every ninth inning, and and unfortunately, we're going through the same stuff with again this year. So. Hasn't gotten much better on that front. But again, there's lots of other things to look up uh, from our point of view anyway. Yeah, he's doing even worse for the Orioles than he did for the Blue Jays because he's basically walking about six batters per nine innings. It's really kind of disgusting. So, But anyway, we don't want to spend too much time talking about the Orioles' misery. We want to get a little uh, a little Toronto perspective. So let's, let's kind of move along before Andrew and I just go on another Kevin Gregg rant, which I think <laughs> has been a constant for like all but our first episode of the the podcast maybe the it's second our trademark yeah it is I, and the first one was like me ranting about michael gonzalez which is almost as good so anyway um so it's talking about kind of having some hope as a jays fan the jays if i remember right have have uh, like four prospects on the various top 100 lists and so you know orioles fans are excited because we had two in like manny machado and then jonathan uh, scope is kind of a sleeper but the, the blue jays have the even more of course, we're going to get more once the the draft signing period ends. But we, yeah, I, yeah, I think have. the Blue Jays are probably going to get a bunch more, too, because how many draft picks did you guys have this year in the first two rounds? Oh, I lost count. We're we're keeping track of it on our on our website, but uh, yeah, you know. yeah, we we had a, we had a few. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, it looks like Anthropolis, who who is our general manager, uh, has has made a, a priority to uh, to obtain through various different methods, uh, as many draft picks as possible. And I, th- I think, and a lot of us are speculating on it, we all know the whole story about Moneyball and I- exploiting a, a weakness in the market or a perceived weakness in the market. And a, a lot of us are looking at the compensation uh, arrangement of the current collective bargaining agreement where uh, the whole type A and type B free agents and uh, the, the Jays seem to have really exploited that over the past year. They picked up a lot of couple middling relievers. It was Kevin Gregg and, and a lot of them this year. Um, even picking up a quick trade with uh, Miguel Olivo last year, who never played a game with the Jays, they basically traded what amounted to some cash to, uh, I believe it was the Rockies, declined his option, offered him arbitration, and he didn't want to stay in Toronto, and the Jays got a pick out of it, which they essentially just bought. Um, I like... Uh... My favorite sort of corollary to that story, the Red Sox tried to do a very similar thing at the end of last season with Felipe Lopez. The only problem was the deal he ended up signing because they offered him arbitration. He declined. He signed with the Rays on a minor league deal. And because it was a minor league deal, the Red Sox didn't get the draft pick compensation for him. So oh. I thought that was funny because that was like right after or right before the Olivo thing. And the Olivo thing is just such a stroke of, of beauty. It's just, wow, how did you ever think of something like that? Yeah, Johnny, <laughs> have you or has someone you know ever seen Alex Anthopoulos like practice wizardry or something like that? You know? Well, there, there, there's running jokes that he that he's trained in the ways of the force uh, around the different blogs for the Blue Jays because some of the stuff that he's at, he's managed to pull off um, unloading wells, uh, trading for Rasmus recently, that Miguel Olivo thing, uh, has just been kind of like, how is he convincing other teams to do this? Like, I, I, I can't believe we were able to trade wells without 
uh, like paying like just a tiny portion of salary. I think we threw five million in, um, and and getting back actual useful players. Now, granted, we ended up flipping Napoli for um, Francisco, who's been less than useful, and we ended up eventually dumping Juan Rivera, but he was at least somewhat useful. Um, either which way, I, I would have been happy just as much as I liked Vernon Wells, just dumping that amount of the contract. But it's 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 been amazing on how uh, he's basically turned around the hopes of the franchise in a very short amount of time. Let me ask you this. What was the feeling with J.P. Ricciardi? Right at the end, he had been there for a while. He was responsible for those bad contracts like Vernon Wells and Alex Rios. Uh, was it something you guys were sort of counting down to uh, days until Ricciardi is fired or was that just something that happened and you were sort of uh, unsure how to react to or what was the gist of the, the situation up there with that? I think in general, many fans were basically planning the parade for when he was booted out the door. Uh, I think the last year of his deal, uh, fans had been had quite enough of his whole uh, his whole act. It, it, it felt when JP Ricciardi was here as if uh, almost as if he had AD or the team had ADD and and just couldn't figure out a direction they wanted to go to. When he first came to the team, he he preached about competing with a low cost structure. We ended up losing Sean Green and Carlos Delgado. Uh, and he brought in all of these middling players, and and obviously that didn't work. So after a couple years of that, um, all of a Sounds sudden, very familiar. I was just thinking the same thing, Andrew. <laughs> this is uh, sounds so familiar. Really middling <laughs> players and everything. Okay. And then after that, he said, "Well, we need to spend with the big boys, the Yankees and the Red Sox." So we spent an off season, and we got AJ Burnett, we got Troy Gloss, and we traded for Lyle Overbay and signed BJ Ryan after. You guys, um, but he was he did well with you guys. Yeah, went to free agency. We have a nice class. closer carousel going with the Blue Jays. <laughs> and uh, and and I bumped our payroll. I think our payroll got up to about a hundred million. We had signed, uh, re-signed Halliday at the time. Re-up Vernon Wells after his MVP or MV. It wasn't MVP caliber, but All-Star caliber season. Um, and and the payroll bumped up to about a hundred million at the time. And then. Uh, Obviously, that didn't work. So then after a couple years of that, he said, okay, well, now we've got to go back to the the competing on cost and and prospect route, at which point I think the organization had basically just soured on him and said, yeah, get out. And uh, at at, at that point, I know many of the fans were happy. And uh, to have Anthropolis coming into the job, a lot of people were very happy because we had heard a lot of good things from his time. He's basically grown up around baseball. He basically started as an intern with the Montreal Expos while they were still around and, and has basically worked his entire career in front offices of baseball, uh, uh, working as an assistant under J.P. Ricciardi until he was let go and promoted to the to the big boy seats. So. Andrew was rationally a fan of the Montreal Expos, so he's probably... I love, yeah. I love the Expos. Yeah. I, actually, I just like Montreal sports, and I don't have a rationale for that. I've never been to Montreal. Just because Yuppie um, is cool is part I of it. I love Yuppie. <laughs> He's the best. Go Habs. Um, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> hockey fight in this podcast. I knew that was going to happen. Uh-oh. Okay, but yeah. Um, back to baseball yeah. <laughs> where the gloves come off over here. So something I was wondering about, Johnny, is uh, if there's any different feelings about the 
big Jose Bautista contract now versus when it was signed? Because to me, it looked like, well, who knew if he was going to duplicate his 2010? And if he didn't, then that was going to look pretty bad. But then again, now he's got like 33 home runs, so probably mm. okay now. Um, I, I know personally my feeling of it was that it was about one year too long. Um, I, I believe the contracts averages out to about 13 or 14 million a year, uh, which I was somewhat okay on. Uh, I, I, it, it was really hard to gauge because obviously he basically had one year and one month of high-level play. So there's always that doubt in the back of your mind going, what, he's, he's, he's going to turn into the next Brady Anderson after he hit. Hey, now. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he, he's the, the, the one thing Batista's always had going for him was, well, at least he, he does play the field reasonably well. And even if the power does drop off, he, he does still, uh, he could always take a walk. He has a very good eye at the plate. Um, but of course this year started and he came out of the gate like crazy and, we always knew looking at the contract, and I believe there was an article on Fancrafts about it, he didn't need to replicate his numbers from last year to be worth the contract. If he replicated his numbers from the last year, his contract would be a fairly large bargain. But And he looks like he's well on the way to uh, at least coming close to the numbers and with a much better batting average, much better on-base percentage. I, I know for most of the year, he was hovering around a 500 on-base percentage, which is just insane. Yeah, when the Orioles at- were playing the Blue Jays around June, the early June, I think, he was like 502 on-base percentage. And after two months of baseball, just having it over 500 on-base, it just blew my mind. It was really... Un- it was just incredible. It's it's just... Nobody even he, comes close to that. And he, he, he was over. really amazing to watch at the plate it got to a point where you were actually more surprised when he made an out as opposed to getting on base which is just it's absolutely insane um so yeah the the deal obviously looks much better now but i can still remember trades like uh or people posting on our website fan posts um there was even one uh one thread popped up about him uh, last year it was trading Jose Batista for Kobe Rasmus straight up. And uh, the the thread spilled over onto Viva Albertos, which is a St. Louis Cardinals blog on SB Nation, who all, all thought we were just absolutely insane. Um, and meanwhile, all the Jays fans were like, no, 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 um, we, this, this, this still doesn't balance out. And it's just funny how, how quickly opinions have changed and we ended up with Rasmus for what amounted to uh, mostly just relievers. And Corey Patterson, who's... Um, Can't forget Corey Patterson. Yeah, Andrew <laughs> was always talks about it. There was a game he went to at Camden Yards last year where he just saw Corey Patterson fall down. He did. <laughs> and, uh, how did that happen? Stacy was there too. Yeah. And we just sort of... It, he just fell down on his face. Uh, we, we we were amazed at his ability to get thrown out stealing while our best hitter in Jose Batista was at the plate all year. It was just, it, you'd look at him and go, what what are you doing? Stand on the base. Don't get like don't get picked off. He's Batista's going to hit it in the gap in the outfield. Just just stand there and let him knock you in, type of thing. But no, he he uh, he wanted to try to steal third every time and get thrown out all the time. Well, uh, that's Corey Patterson for you, I guess. It's uh, <laughs> just one of those things. But don't feel too bad if Camden Cat Camden Chat uh, was getting judged on its weirdest crazy people threats. We would look pretty crazy too. Uh, I don't know. What do you think's the craziest thing on there right now? Probably. Right now? Oh well, I don't know. See, I don't want to say it because what if he listens to the podcast? I don't want to yeah, be too mean. Yeah, that's not nice. Yeah. Well, just yeah. I'm not gonna. We'll not go into that after all. But uh, <laughs> there's 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 some interesting. There's some interesting characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some, I think sometimes we you get a too. little sports talk radio. It's like the kind of person that's gonna mm-hmm. be 
calling in. Well, I don't know. Do they have that show? Their shows in Canada? Maybe they don't. Oh yeah, all, all, all the time. It, to Toronto, uh, given the market size in Toronto, um, I think some like population wise, it's something like the fifth largest market in, in North America, and, and obviously hockey is is pretty much gospel. But uh, the Jays have actually taken a, a lot more prominence in the news um, in in the city since Anthropolis has taken over. There, there's been a lot more of a buzz about the Jays, so uh, we do get plenty of talk shows, and unfortunately many of the guys are, are more hockey specialists, and they don't even do that very well, but um, they uh, like to try to throw their two cents in about baseball, and it's just, uh, I made a comment on our podcast that uh, listening to two guys, Bob McGowan and uh, Damian Cox host a show called Primetime Sports from 4 to 7, it's kind of like the, the sports talk radio show in the country. It goes out, they broadcast it in TV and on the radio and the whole works across the entire country. And they started talking about baseball. And the, and the host of the show is, uh, um, he's a baseball fan, but he's not a baseball guy. And Damien Cox was the co-host who is a hockey guy and probably not even a baseball fan. And they decided to talk about swing mechanics of Travis Snyder. And it just made me want to shoot myself in the head. It was awful. <laughs> but it's sort of cool that it's, it's kind of like watching a team's fan base, and I guess in this case it's a whole country, go from sort of ambivalent and apathetic to interested and like a growing connection being made with this team that, I mean, I guess I'll just make the the logical connection, is directly related to the Blue Jays front office making headlines with smart trades and just savviness. So yeah, ba- ba- basically, I, I, that, I think that's true. The The attendance had dipped for the past couple of years, and it's just starting to come back up now. Uh, but the Jays' television ratings ha- have been steadily increasing over the past couple of years. So there was a lot of talk about not a lot of people coming out to the games, but the television ratings had been the best they had been in years. So uh, there, there is definitely a buzz across the country, and, and it it really is across the entire country. Uh, I know there's a lot of Seattle fans out west, and there's a lot of uh, Red Sox fans out east. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there's there's a special connection in around. I, I'm I'm from Nova Scotia originally, which is on the the east side of Canada, and there's a there is a special connection between Boston and and Halifax, which is the capital city of of, uh, of uh, Nova Scotia. And they, there's a there's a whole big thing about the Halifax explosion and Boston sending aid, and Halifax still sends like a huge Christmas tree to Boston each year, and all this other stuff. So it, there there is that connection there. So much so that I think the last time the Red Sox or no, when the Red Sox first won the World Series in 2000. Four, yes. It was, yeah, two thousand four. They ended up bringing the trophy to Halifax at some point to have like a little mini celebration there for the. There's a large pocket of fans, but outside of little pockets of fans here and there, especially after Montreal left the country, Toronto really be, did become, uh, for lack of a better term, Canada's team. So, which is why you see a, a bigger push around the Jays. We have a there's a Canadian Maple Leaf on the arm now, and uh, they're, they're trying. There's a, a push to try to get a, a, a Canadian Leaf incorporated into the actual Jays logo again, like it used to be. I'm feeling well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning stuff here. This is fascinating <laughs> educational experience right here. Due to continuing technical difficulties on our SB Nation host servers, this podcast is also split into two parts. Part two has about 20 minutes of content, with Andrew and I still being joined by Johnny G from BluebirdBanter.com. We all kind of wax on what we're never going to get with balanced schedules or realignment, and Johnny gives us his first impression of the Blue Jays manager, John Farrell. Please join us there.
for now, we are out.